Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Dom Harvey Podcast, brought to you by Generate Kiwi Saver and Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Nigel Beach. It's in our culture now. We get the Kardashians on the television there, and you get Courtney come out and say to Chloe, oh my God, those shoes are giving me anxiety. So we're using the words wrong. Those shoes are not giving her anxiety. She is upset at the colour choice of Chloe's shoes or whatever it be. But that is not anxiety. This is sort of a, a podcast of two halves. In the first half, you'll get to learn a little bit more about Nigel, who he is and what he does. Then in the second half... Some info that we can all use to improve our own quality of life. We chat about why Nigel decided to become a physiotherapist and how he ended up working with some of New Zealand's biggest sports stars in many different codes. We get into sauna and cold plunging and how Nigel became close friends with Wim Hof. And we talk nasal breathing and why it's so important for good health. At the very least from this episode... You'll get introduced to a cool person and someone that I consider to be a mate. But hopefully this conversation will give you much more than that. Potentially some wisdom and insights that could make your life better. Just before we crack into it, just a thanks to my sponsors, Generate Kiwi Saver and Radix Nutrition. Please, by the way, even though you can, do not skip past this bit. <laughs> These guys are absolute legends and their support enables the podcast to grow. So please listen. Generate is an award-winning Kiwi Saver provider. With a track record of chart-topping long-term performance, book to see your local Generate KiwiSaver advisor for a no-obligation meeting. The website, generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash get advice. I did this last month and I switched over to Generate from a different provider and it could not have been easier. On their website, generatekiwisaver.co.nz, you'll also find a copy of their product disclosure statement. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course, Past performance does not guarantee future returns. This podcast is also sponsored by the legions at Radix Nutrition. Mike and the team at Radix have lofty goals to improve your quality of life through nutrition. And they're doing it all from their incredible factory just out of Hamilton. Trust me, once you sample their products, I have no doubt you will become a raving fan. Check them out. Radixnutrition.co.nz Radix spelled R-A-D-I-X all right, let's get into it. Nigel Beach on the Dom Harvey podcast. It's good to be here, mate. I've been seeing you work and, yeah, really appreciate the platform you're creating for so many cool people. And now you get me, which is less cool, but for your listeners, I'm sure. But um, I'm stoked to be here, mate. We're, we're not dealing with any of that self-deprecation <laughs> stuff here. Yeah, cool. First of all, uh, who are you and what do you do? Like, elevator pitch. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm a physiotherapist by trade, um, but I use that as currency more so, Dom, because a lot of techniques I have gathered from different areas of my life and my experiences. Um, and effectively, what do I do? Well, I help people who are struggling. I help people who are in pain. Um, I help people 
get their response to their situations under their control. So how do we control your situational response to an environment, uh, which essentially is how do we help people execute their skill set under pressure. Um, And then I also help train someone's physiological response to exercise, which I don't think is really done well in the training space even now. And then the third way is I look at how people move. I assess to see, is this optimal or not? And try and identify causes for either pain that they're experiencing or how can we actually optimize their power output or their economy of movement and execution of their talents. Right. I was trying to um, wind the clock back yesterday and think about how, how I came into contact with you or how we know each other. And I can't actually pinpoint it exactly. I think um, a mutual friend of ours, Jay Reeve, maybe he talked about you on Instagram and I followed you from there. But last year I was dealing with um, a, a knee injury that was persistent and just wouldn't go away. And you you um, messaged me out of the blue. This was very kind of you as well. And you said you gave me a list of like exercises to film myself doing, like walking forwards and walking backwards and a, a bunch of a bunch of kooky stuff. So I sent you a, a bunch of video files. And then you sent them back, like within a few hours, uh, commentating what I was doing with lines on the, the videos, and it was really nice of you. It was like a like a free consult. Cool, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really I do care for people really at the heart of it, and I think a lot of physiotherapists get into this kind of job for that um, because they do genuinely care. And I could see your struggles with your knee, and I know how much it means to you to run. So um, yeah, I just felt I've got to try and help this guy. Sometimes I try and help too many people, and but um, yeah, so that's why I did that, mate. And yeah, it's um, really nice of you. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, there's been no miracle cure, um, but I am back running again, and um, I'd say maybe like seventy five, eighty percent. Yeah, back to where it should be. So I'm hoping with um, continued work on trying to strengthen the muscles and the tendons around the knee, it'll get back to a hundred at some point. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but and then towards the end of last year, I came and stayed with you for a couple of days for like a, a boot camp. And um, we got to bond a bit further then, and that was a, a invaluable experience. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was great, and that was with some great people too. And oh like, my god, yeah, yeah. So that was with um, Sarah Hidney, who's um, an Olympic gold medalist in the sevens, and she's also won the Rugby World Cup. And uh, Jack Goodhue, for, yeah. um, all black and six six times Super Rugby winner with the Crusaders. And so I'm from a media background, and in, in my sort of circles, I'm considered a bit of an exercise savage. Because, yeah, the, the bar is very low in media. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So they're like, whoa, Dom runs 30Ks on a Friday. What a machine. And then suddenly I'm at your place hanging out with um, these high-performance people, and I'm just a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I was so out of my depth. It was, it was a fascinating, eye-opening experience for a couple of days, just seeing the level these sort of people operate on. Yeah, and I really, when I do my performance intensives, which range from two days to five days, uh, down in Mount Monganui where I live, I try and bring together people from different backgrounds because you can learn so much from different, you know, experiences that people have had. So it's good to bring someone who's out of the sporting arena in, and mm. we all learn from each other's stories and experiences. How did you blow up initially? When did that? Is there an exact moment that you can pinpoint, sort of like a tipping oh, point for Nigel Beach? Not really. Um, see, I had a decade in London, so I was working over there for a long time. I came back and then, um, yeah, I looked to start something here in Auckland, but 
I soon worked out actually um, I'd rather be in Mount Monganui, so we moved down there and um, set up shop down there. Just started a clinic there from nothing, um, and I just pitched up to one of the lowest ranks football lowest ranked football teams in the town. Said, "Hey, would you like a physio?" And they're like, "Wow, what? You know, your resume is, you know, you've done all these things with different teams. It's too good for us." And I said, "No, we're just about." you know helping people out and then so that's where I started my clinic from and that's really what generated my clinic and then um yeah I think just word of mouth it just progressively grew and then um yeah I just think I only started Instagram a couple of years ago and um you know I'm 46 so I wasn't in that sort of mode, you know. Mate, um, we're both boomers. Yeah, so it didn't come easy. I was still sending faxes to people. Um, yeah, so I think it was just progressive. And then I just started working with really cool people who had large followings. And then they gave testimony, like Art Green, for example, and um, Logan Dodds, Danny Robinson. And then their followers were attracted to some of this work that I was doing um, because there really wasn't anyone in that space for them to learn from, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're doing great things. And, um, yeah, so many people speak so highly of you. Uh, I, I, by chance, um, listened to a podcast the other day that Bowden Barrett was on, and oh. uh, he was singing your praises. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. So there's, um, you're highly respected with a lot of these high-performance athletes. They swear by you. And I, I wonder if, um, um, like, from the team perspective, a lot of um, team – like management or the hierarchy, think you're a bit kooky. Yeah, yeah. Do, so. do they? Like, uh, like a sort um, of alternative, a little bit weird, a little bit out there. Yeah, but it's kind of good because they've already got team physios. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I pose no threat to them because I really don't want their job. I don't want to be the All Blacks team physio because I don't want to be away from my family. It, it, like I'm not actually the best at being that kind of physio, so there's no real threat to them. So, for example, I'm up here at the moment, um, you know, with the All Blacks, and Pete is the physio there, he's been there for 18 years, we have a great relationship, we totally respect each other's work, so he is very welcoming and enabling of my work, so that's really good. Um, I think, yes, some coaches who haven't been exposed to this kind of work before, um, they can find it a little bit difficult to understand. Mm. And the problem is they actually need to do it themselves to feel it, to understand it. So I think really a lot of the work needs to be done on the coaches and management staff first to, if you really want to get a great team connection. What I tend to do now, I do work with some teams, but more so it's the individuals within those teams right. which are seeking out that top 2%. They're really my clients nowadays. Mm. Well, yeah, that's what we were uh, talking about before when we met um, December last year for a, like a two-day retreat at your house with Sarah Hidney and Jack Goodhue. Um, so Sarah was at the end of an epic year. Um, she was on a break. Uh, Jack Goodhue, in between All Black seasons and Super Rugby season, he was on a break as well, and they just came to you because they wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. Was, and those, those are the ones. Like You look at Cody Taylor. You know, he's... I've known Cody for four years now. We've probably worked together for probably two and a half to three years, a little bit off and on in, in times. But he, they had a bye week for the Crusaders. Everyone goes away and plays golf um, or they go on holiday. Cody brought his whole family up to the mountain. We had a five-day intensive up at the mountain, intertwined with his family, you know, uh, comings and goings. So um, those are the people, like, and you look at Cody's year, he's been phenomenal. It doesn't happen by accident because talent and skill will only get you so far. 
Yeah. And when you go through some adversity, that's when all of that starts to crumble. So you've, I really admire Cody. He's a, he's a great friend. And those guys that are taking on the work, they're the ones that have probably been at it a little bit longer. Um, and they might have gone through some adversity, whether that be selection um, or whether that be injury. Um, yeah, and they sort of know a little bit about what it's like to lose that peak performance or being at the top, and then they want it back. Yeah. So. Well, this is, this is one thing that... Um, the- um, I, f- I felt, found quite compelling with you. Uh, last year, like I went through numerous physiotherapists and, th- and uh, they were all well-meaning and their advice came from a professional and educated place. But a lot of them said to me, if it hurts when you run and it doesn't generally hurt otherwise, just don't run. Yeah. And I tried to articulate to them that yeah, running is quite an important part of my life and mm. yeah, it's like a cornerstone for my mental health. And you, you never discussed that. You were never like shrugging your shoulders saying, well, yeah, maybe just don't run. Yeah, exactly. And I really, really appreciated and respected that. Cool. Thanks, mate. And yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we do get limits put upon us by people in authority or power in the medical sense, whether that be from surgeons telling us what we can and can't do. For example, I was told I could never run again. Um, you know, I was told we could never have children. So all of these things that get put upon us by higher powers, and I think really it's a lack of, to, to me, mate, I know they're all well-meaning, but I think to me that's a little bit lazy. It's like, mm. well, why not? Do we tell Cody Taylor he, he shouldn't really play rugby because he might get a head knock? Or, you know, no, you want to try and optimise why uh, they mm. are not doing something at their best and how can we get them back there? Um, it's like with CrossFit. You remember the CrossFit craze? <laughs> yeah, so, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, massive. So many physios hated <laughs> CrossFit. I was like, don't do it. But there is a massive, like there's so many reasons we do exercise. And so I actually took a room at a CrossFit gym and I planted one of my physios over there to help them still continue to train because I saw the community CrossFit was building. I saw the effects on people's mental health and the connection that it gave people. Um so, yeah, we've got to try and look beyond, you know, oh, don't do this if this happens, rather than how can we actually make that work. Mm. So from, from what I look at, I look at, okay, why is a site in, in pain? Why is a site in pain? And it's typically not because of a dysfunction at that site. It's normally improper loading somewhere else, which is directing too much load into that site of pain. So that's what I try and work out. Mm. Okay, so let's go right back. Why, why physiotherapy? So you're a, you're a kid from Thames. Yeah, that's right. Just, just mum and dad and one brother? Yeah, one brother, Chris. Yeah. And very fortunate to have, he's just down the road in Papamoa, and uh, my mum and dad are in Mount Monganui too. So the well, whole the, family. The, the beaches love the beach. They do love the beach. <laughs> yeah, so why, why, why physiotherapy? So you're, you're in your teenage years at school. Mate, I, I wanted to be a physio since I was 11 years old. That is so random. Yeah, and did, you, did you go to a physio at 10 or 11? Yeah, I did. I was, I was in all the rep teams for hockey. So um, I did have my time on the physio table there. And I was just fascinated with the whole, the whole thing, you know, healing. Um, and I was always the guy making the first aid kits, you know, when we go away on holiday, always prepared, you know. And, um, well, like family holidays. Yeah, exactly. Like as a kid. Yeah, man. What do you mean? You know those Griffin sample tins? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. always like pick, like, you know, probably nothing useful, but Band-Aids or a, um, a needle or to get out a splinter or well, things like well, that. Why didn't you become like a, a nurse or a paramedic? Or? Yeah, maybe I should have done that. But I, I think it was the physio side of it which I was drawn to because of my own experiences with physio. So, um, 
I went, you know, and from, yeah, from the age of 11, and that's all I ever wanted to be, mate. Um, all of my, you know, essays and assignments that had my own free choice through either intermediate or high school was done on what is physiotherapy or um, homeopathy, I remember I did an assignment on. And then not only that, I went and spent time with physios in practice and not just in private practice, but in orthopedics at hospital or with um, post-op in hospital. So maybe the yeah different facets of physio just to try and learn it. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you, you study physio. What's involved there? How many years? It's four years, four-year right. four degree. Um, and then I came out of that degree and then I thought, well, I don't know anything. So then um, much to my... You know, my parents' eyebrows being raised because they funded me through these next courses. Um, I went and did all the courses I could do on physiotherapy. And then I went and did a postgrad in sports physiotherapy. So that took another two years. Um, so I got, yeah, and I just, that thirst for knowledge has continued. I, I've spent so much money on courses and learning. Um, and now I'm 20, 24 years in and... Yeah, I still keep that. I still maintain a constant thirst for knowledge and learning. So um came out of the post-grad. I, was, I had some great mentors here. I missed out on the New Zealand Sevens job as their physiotherapist. So I thought, right, I'll go overseas, the old big OE. And, um, Who was that? Was that when uh, Gordon Titchens was still the coach of yeah, the Sevens? Yeah, right. he was the coach. What year was this? What are we talking? That would have been... Like early 2000s? Yeah, maybe that, that might have been 01, 2001 right, maybe. Right. Um, wow, they would have been a hell of a team. Yeah, Christian Cullen, Jonah Lomu. Well, yeah, all the superstars. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. It was a really interesting experience to interview. I think it was who was there? Was Doc Mayhew there? Kevin McCoyd was a physio at the time, and uh, Gordon Titchens. Yeah, yeah. Gordon Gordon Titchens, a very effective coaching style, but I feel like in um, under the twenty twenty three lens, um, he'd probably be called a bully or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think his coaching style would uh, translate well now, but so effective. Yeah. Well, he, he really – well, I think he was really one of the first coaches. I've, now, I've never experienced his coaching or, or seen into it, but just from talking to some of the players who played under him, um, he was bigger around fitness, wasn't he? Massive, yeah. massive. Famous for um, getting these guys that were superstars of the game, like vomiting or almost crying on the yeah. first day of – his uh, you know preseason boot camp or whatever, yeah, just drilled them so hard. But they were the they were the uh, along with Fiji like the best team around at the time. Yeah, they were, and they also had that ability to um, win when they were down in the yeah. last two minutes, which is what fitness really does, doesn't yeah. it? It gives you the opportunity to come from behind and be good in the last two minutes when the other guys are flagging. Yeah. Okay. So so you're quite young in your career at that point. So you miss out on that job. Then what? Then you, I. Yeah. Throw your toys and go overseas. No, I, I didn't really. <laughs> um, they gave very good praise and um, you know complimented me on the interview, and it was a good friend of mine that actually got the role. So I don't really think I, yeah, I wasn't upset about that. I just thought, right, what next? By the way, I, I was kidding about that. I've um, spent quite a bit of time with you, and I've never seen you. I've never seen you raise your voice. You're at your house and, you know, your kids are being tyrants. You never raise your voice. Yeah. You're always a very, very measured and calm guy. Mm, thanks, mate. I think that comes from my upbringing. Yeah. I never saw my parents scrap at all. Um, never heard my dad raise his voice. And mm. Wow. Yeah, so I, I really do value um, my upbringing to yeah. a lot of my 
success, if you call it that, or um, perseverance and discipline, dedication to my work, um, and also l- love for people, really, yeah. based on my parents. Um, so then I, w- I thought, right, I'll go, I'll go overseas. I'll go and do my OE. I had a large friend group up here, and they were all going overseas, traveling. So um, my best friend, he was keen to go as well, so we went together and did the typical Southeast Asia over to Turkey for Anzac Day, and then, um, yeah, up into London, and then onwards from there. And it was sort of in the boom time there. The economy was good. I had really good qualifications. If you had a post-grad qualification in London, you did really well. You could step into any job you wanted. So then I would sort of work for four to six months and then travel for four to six months too. So it was a great way to see the world. How did you, how did you meet your wife? Yeah, so we met in London. Yeah. Uh, Jess is a radiographer. She's an absolute cracker. And, um, yeah, we met there. She was coming back to, I think she was going to Australia. She was born in Australia. Um, and then she decided to stay, convinced her to stay for a couple of months. Um, we got to know each other more. And then I thought, yeah, I'm ready to come home now too. So, mm. yeah, so we met over there. Yeah, I, I, I bring her up because I think she's worthy of a mention because um, – you you have all sorts of people traipsing through your house every day of the week, and she's so hospitable and so nice, and your kids are so great with everybody as well. Yeah. So you, you mentioned before um, something about um, fertility issues. Yeah, what was that? Or was that on your side or her side? That was on her side right. in the sense of um, she really struggled with endometriosis okay. for a long time since about sixteen years old, um, and she had five surgeries to try and remove this endometriosis, which is. Basically, these endothelial, uh, endometrial cells should grow inside the uterus, and those cells are responsible for releasing blood in the menstrual cycle. Uh, in endometriosis, those cells grow outside of the uterus. So it can be very painful, very disabling. It can cause adhesions, all sorts of issues. It's a terrible problem that we really need to try and tackle better than what we are now. Um, and yeah, I remember she had her fifth surgery and they opened her up and just closed her up. And just, I remember when the surgeon came into the room and just said, I'm really sorry, honey, but you cannot have children. And for a guy that's gotten everything he's ever wanted in life through perseverance, discipline, and you know, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, wow, that was the first thing that was token, taken totally out of my control, mate. Um, and then of course you ask, well, what can we do? And Anyone who's got endometriosis would be able to, you know, um, be sympathetic to hearing that you can't do anything, or maybe go on a vegan diet, or maybe you know these kind of there's nothing really that you can do about it. We weren't even really told what it was, so if you don't know what it is, how can you overcome it? You don't really know the the physiology of it. Um, yeah, so that. Yeah, but hey, there's a there's a great story at the end of it. We've got our beautiful family now, and yeah, um, yeah, two kids. Yeah, so I think I think language is really important, and I think optimism um, is perhaps lacking in some medical spaces. I think you've got to give people confidence. Yeah, and I mean completely different. But like we were talking before with my knee, I think some of the physios I went to see sort of underestimated my um, will and desire to be running again. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the fertility thing, that's something that I'm, um, it's quite close to my heart, because uh, yes. myself and my former wife, JJ, like we, we, 
Oh, I had a tumour in my abdomen area that was taken out and it left me with a, a condition called retrograde ejaculate, oh. which means everything works the same, but when you have an orgasm, um, nothing comes out. But the, the, So the surgeon that, um, that uh, took the tumour out in like a, quite a lengthy and I suppose in a way potentially a life-saving operation, he, he knew nothing about fertility and he saw me when I was recovering in hospital like a couple of days after the operation and he said to me, oh, hey, you may have this condition now, it's fairly common, retrograde ejaculate, but don't worry, um, the fertility situation is real easy now, they just um, harvest the sperm and blah, blah, you know, and he made it sound really simple and I thought at the time, oh, okay, sweet as, and all I knew about um, IVF and fertility at that point was what you read in Women's Day, like, you know, Shea had a baby at the age of 70 or, yeah. you know, <laughs> Nicole Kidman's having quadruplets or whatever yeah. and it, you do think it's really easy and yeah. turns out the surgeon, he was a fantastic surgeon but he knew nothing about mm. fertility treatment so anyway, uh, long story short, we went through years and years of fertility and didn't have kids at the end but speaking mm. to you now, like I wonder if there was um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I wonder if there was anything else that could have been done to like rectify or change my situation, yeah. maybe not maybe not. It's really, it's really tough isn't it and mm. you know, winding back and seeing it. and I think, but what we can do from there is maybe look forward and say what are some of the things that do affect the ability to conceive and that's a lot of my work is looking at the autonomic nervous system which is that stress state and the calm state and really to have your body in an optimal state for all sorts of health not only just fertility is to have a a balanced system not be in that Mm. stress state too much because our body isn't really made to conceive if we're in this burnt out stressed out situation because it's not going to be doing harm, uh, not be going to be doing benefit for a baby to be brought up in that environment. Because what if there's a famine going on, or war, or something like that? So, um, I think, it, yeah, the more we can educate ourselves on the role of the autonomic nervous system in health, plus also stopping this cleaving at the joints, every sort of injury or. Uh, disease state and looking at us from a holistic one being you know which means instead of saying you know okay here's depression okay you need to see this guy for that okay oh here's your back pain you need to see this guy for that and then the depression guy won't talk about the back pain because that's not his domain and then oh the doctor's going to prescribe something but he's not responsible for that I think we really need to stop siloing off all these different things like fertility uh, the psychology around um, depression or anxiety that may come from chronic pain um, and we need to start bringing things more together mm-hmm. and educating people like instead of saying that's not my role educating people on some of that whole person approach to back pain, fertility wh- whatever it be I think that's really the key mate mm. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. How's, how's your mental health been? Has it always been good? Yeah, it has, mate. I've, yeah. I'm very, have, you, have you had to work, work on it, or have you just you've been one of the lucky ones? Or Really fortunate, mate, in that um, I found a lot of these modalities before I got married, before I had kids, before I had a mortgage, before I had a business. All of the things which may peak people off to have a less than optimal mental health, I was already doing things to steal my, or make more resilient, my mental health or mental fitness. Uh, so if you think of mental fitness like physical fitness, so I was just very fortunate in my pursuit of helping my population of clients that these techniques also help to improve your mental fitness. So, mate, I've been really good. I'm, I'm really mm. fortunate to say that. What, ha- what has been um, like, the, like the lowest point in your life, you reckon? I think um, back pain. I struggled with back oh, really? pain. Yeah, for a very long time. And I think that out of that adversity has given me these tools to look at things differently. Because I had back pain for 12 years, mm. really debilitating back pain. And I remember when my, my parents came over to see me in London and uh, we went to have dinner and they were up at the table and I was kneeling down on the floor and mum just started crying and it you know, still creases me up a little bit now because I couldn't sit because of my back. Um, and I just thought that was normal. I'm like, yeah, but I've got three prolapsed discs in my back. I, there is a ceiling on what I can do. I just normalised mm. that because that's what I was told by the 14 different physios that I saw. Oh, you went 14? No, yeah. my, my girlfriend, she said to me, Dom, you can't, Keep replacing physios until you find the answer you want. But it turns out you can. You can, mate. And I really encourage you to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for people out there, keep searching. Because so many people come to me, or when you go to a barbecue, which, you know, you always get tapped for info when you're at a barbecue. Um, and then they say, oh, I tried physio. You know, so depending on how much um, respect I have for that person will depend on my answer. It might be like, oh, okay, cool, man. Or it might be like, hey, do you know that not all physios the same? Mm. And not all physios are, sa- are the same on the one day as the next day. So physios really get a window of maybe 20 to 30 minutes to see someone. Yeah. They can't unravel all the stuff. So maybe you need to give that physio another chance, a different lens to look through, maybe more time. Or maybe you need to seek out another physio who will be totally different to the other one. Yeah. And you've got to keep searching. That's certainly what I did and then found the answer eventually. So how did you fix your back? So um, I had spinal surgery when I was 30 over in London, which was a really, I was a physio and I saw what happened when people had spinal surgery. Mm. So I was really freaked out about that. Um, But that was, yeah, that was the lowest point in my life, the searing back pain. I couldn't defecate in the morning. You know, it was those things which were such a problem. I couldn't touch my kneecaps from a standing position. Wow. Mm, wild, mate. Uh, so much disability. You wouldn't believe it now, right? But um, so I saw Europe's uh, top neurosurgeon, um, Peter Hamlin, and he did a really good job on my back. But a year later, I was still in pain. And I went back to him, and um, he was sort of frustrated and annoyed because surgeons don't really like to admit that they might not have got that problem sorted so he sort of dismissed me which is fine that's okay but it made me now my good friend Jimmy Hunt will call this radical ownership but it made me have a moment of radical ownership realizing no one's going to fix this it's up to me now and that's when I looked outside the box of physiotherapy to basically come up with a program that alleviated my back pain Mm. 
Radical ownership. Yeah. I like that. I've never heard that phrase. Jimmy Hunt, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, he's like a mental health advocate. Mm. Um, he's written a book about, didn't he, like raft down the Waikato River? He did. He lilo'd. Lilo'd, yeah, and walked the, uh, walked the length of the country as he, well. He did, yeah. He's yeah. the world's largest water slide. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's an amazing guy. So mm. Worth Googling. Worth Googling and doing some uh, research on him. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's got numerous books out. But he also just genuinely cares for people. Yeah. And you can hit him up and he will try and help you. Yeah. But that radical ownership, that's, that comes from a position of, yes, things aren't fair in life. Things aren't just. Whatever it took to get you into this state, it might be totally unfair. But it's how you come out of it, and that's 100% your responsibility. Mm. Do, you th- do you think with mental health there's some people that, um, that with, say, clinical depression need to be medicated? Or do you think that for most people there's uh, an alternative way? Yeah, I think depression is a, there's, it's a really complex thing, yeah. depression is. Um, but I do think there's mental health and mental illness. Mental health awareness is not really doing quite right. Yeah. And if anything, it might be making things worse. Because people are learning that there's mental health out there, and then they use that as an excuse or a crutch because they don't really understand the physiology of, say, anxiety. And when you understand that anxiety is actually a physiological state that occurs through various things, maybe a disordered breathing pattern, maybe a poor tolerance to carbon dioxide, maybe inflammation, and then there are actually some things you can do to alter that positively. So how about we have the discussion around mental health awareness of actually talking about what is anxiety? Yeah. What is depression? How about we talk about the fact that 30% of depression, 30 to 40% of depression, is caused by inflammation? Mm. So why don't we learn about how inflammation is potentially causing depression and how people with inflammation as their cause of depression, the medications won't actually work well for them. Not only that, Dom, but there's also the notion that if you are inflamed your risk of depression becomes greater. So why aren't we testing people for their inflammatory marker, which is a very difficult thing to get out of a doctor. I pay for my own. It costs $20.10 down (laughs) down in Tauranga. And why aren't we testing these things routinely? And then we can say, well, your inflammation marker is up a little bit. There's a a potential risk factor here for depression. Yeah. Do we understand what that is and should we go through some things which might be able to mitigate that from happening? Mm. So they're the conversations I'd rather see in Mental Health Awareness Week um, or just in mental health programming, really the understanding of what mental fitness is. Because what I'm seeing is people coming to me asking for a note to get them out of PE because of their anxiety, <laughs> you know. But it's, it's sort of been, you know, it's in our culture now. We get the Kardashians on the television there and you get Courtney come out and say to Chloe, oh my God, those shoes are giving me anxiety. So we're using the words wrong. They, those shoes are not giving her anxiety. <laughs> she is upset at the colour choice of Chloe's shoes or whatever it be. But that is not anxiety. Yeah, that's, it's a flippant remark, isn't totally. it? Totally. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're using that now. And people are hanging on to my anxiety, you know? What is that? Is it a, mm. a living thing within you? No, it's just your response or reaction mm. to a situation which is over and above what it needs to be. Yeah. Speaking of anxiety, though, um, I did have real anxiety when I was at your place and I was about to go in the ice bath. Uh, So at the back of Nigel's house, you've got a a sauna, um, which is a great social space, by the way, and you share a lot on your social media. Has anyone anyone, um, complained or said, oh, no, can you not? 
please, no photos. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone seems really good. Like you have, you have so many high performance and high function. Yeah. Joel Shadbolt, good friend yeah. of yours from the band LAB, one of the best vocalists in the country. Um, he's on your Instagram all the time in the sauna. Yeah. All Blacks, rugby league players, yeah, you name it, they're there. No, yeah. everyone's okay with being. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, they. Um... I mean, I was happy when I was there because I was um, flanked between an All Black and uh, one of the greatest female rugby players. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the, and the conversations are so good. Yeah. And honestly, what's happened on that sauna bench has really launched some careers. So Josiah Natsky, who um, there was, we had a great performance group there. We we did, I think it was four days. We had Marcus Armstrong, who's an IndyCar racer now. Um, Josiah Natsky, who's a he races uh, for Kawasaki uh, over in North America, um, professional motocross rider. We had Nick Mowbray from Zuru. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Jay Reeve was there. Anton Leonard Brown. So man, what a pool of experience and advice. And it was in the sauna that Josiah, you know, Anton Leonard Brown and Sarah Hidney, they asked him, "What? Where's he going with his career?" And Josiah said, "Oh yeah, I'm, I really want to race at America." And Anton. It was pretty tough. He said, well, you're not in America. You need to be in America if you want to race in America. So he really challenged his process of Josiah was just sort of cruising through with this notion in his head that that was his goal. But he didn't have any steps to enable him to reach that goal. Right. So in that sauna, mate, that was the moment that triggered his, he bought flights to the States Mm. that week. I love that so much about that space that you've created in your sauna. It's like an, it is a, like an exchanging of ideas. Yeah, I had very little to bring when <laughs> when I was in the sauna, um, but I was just like taking it all in and yeah. a- absorbing it. It was great. So, when did you get into the the whole hot cold thing? Because this has become, I suppose, um, like a cornerstone of what you're about. But it's nothing necessarily to do with physiotherapy, is it? No, not really. No. And but, but it kind of is. It's what it should be because yeah. I was seeing this population of clients who were struggling with chronic pain. I typically see people that have had pain for a long time. I don't see the rugby guys that have had a bump or a bruise on the weekend or the sprained ankles going up the mound. I don't see that stuff. You're better off seeing someone down the road who can can handle that. I tend to see people who are struggling that have failed common treatment approaches and I knew that there was a role in their pain and their condition of the autonomic nervous system which is made up of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So rest and digest Flight, fight and freeze, calm, stress. And I knew there was a role, but we didn't know that we could influence it. We thought it was unconsciously beyond our control. And that's what science said in the books. And then in 2013, Wim Hof did a study at the Rabond University in the Netherlands where he was injected with E. coli, an endotoxin uh, which should have triggered off this huge immune response. He defeated the E. coli within 15 minutes. So... That then, to those researchers, they were like, wow, Wim, you've just attenuated the innate immune response. The that cannot be controlled, you've controlled it. You're amazing. And Wim being Wim said, I'm not amazing. You know, he could have been a David Blaine and done all these tricks around the world, slowing yeah, his heart rate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so for, for anyone, I don't want to patronise anyone that's listening, but uh, just in case there's anyone that doesn't know uh, about the Wim Hof story or who he is, um, how would you how would you describe him in a couple of sentences? I know he's got a shit ton of world records. Yep, 26 Guinness World Records. Wow. He is a remarkable man who has a technique called the Wim Hof Method, which utilises breathing techniques and gradual, non-forced exposure to cold. Mm. We, An awful, awful backstory, right, with his, yeah. with his wife. Yeah, and when you think about why 
why did Wim get into this? Well, his wife committed suicide, and he was left with five, four children between the age of five and 11 to bring up. So his real mission, he wanted to end depression. So she had depression, and uh, she committed suicide. And, you know, he had his own grief to go through as well. So that was his very noble cause for seeking out how to help the world. And he's just a massive, like, his spirit is phenomenal. If you could watch a documentary on him, I think, and if it was just one, I would say the Goop Lab. No, I would agree yeah. with Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. You've seen that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good bite-sized entry into yes. the world of Wim Hof. Yeah, and it comes from a bit more of a feminine angle rather yeah. than some of the, you know, people that, are, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. So then you got a lot of macho male men attracted to his techniques and methods and they were sort of telling the story from the, ah. Oh. But I think uh, Gwyneth's show brings it down to more of that more feminine um, style, mm. which I really like. You're not just a student of his, though. You, you and him are sort of like mates, right? Yeah. He stays at your house. and Yeah. So we're very good friends, good confidants. Um, yeah, massive how did, how, did, how did that happen? Um, so that study was in 2013. Um, so, so then I read that study. I was blown away, and I was like, this is going to help my population of clients. I have to seek this guy out and learn more from him and he happened to be coming down to Australia to do a week-long live-in retreat so I went over there um, to try and learn more about his methods it was an amazing group of people there were 30 of us there this would never happen now there'd be probably 500 people there and you'd probably get an instructor of whims but there were 30 people there and we're still really tight to this day that group of people and there was no one there really going to learn about his methods to deploy it in a clinical setting it was more People, they had Lyme disease, uh, major depressive disorder, um, all manners of, you know, there was pain. It was like, wow, this is amazing. But all of these people were sort of seeking out that top 2%. You know, these were real successful people in business, but they might have been suffering with burnout or successful people in um, whatever they were trying to do in life. Um, yeah, so amazing group of people. So I went and had a week with them, um, just connected. Um and yeah, we became really good friends. I help him. I helped him articulate some of the science that I was seeing from what I thought was occurring during the Wim Hof method. Then he came and stayed, yeah, with the family. And uh, his, my little boy's middle name is Wim. So wow, yeah. So there's a connection there, named after Wim. That wasn't my choice. That was my wife's. You, you do a you do a great impression of him. You um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I don't know if you want to share this on the maybe this is a private thing, but uh. Uh, when I stayed with you, we walked up uh, Mount Monganui, and you were bare feet, and you you did an impression of Wim walking up uh, Mount Monganui, chatting to strangers on the way. Oh yeah, yeah, because it was amazing. Because Wim was staying, and we we're going up the mount, and you know, it was always a bit of a bugbear of mine when you go up the mount that people wouldn't say hello, mm. and. Um, you know, I like saying hello to people. You're, you're you're both out there doing the same thing at the same time, and it's kind of a cool connection. I yeah. agree. I'm like that with running. It is. I wave at everybody. And Wim just wouldn't say hello, mate. He has a, hey, man, hey, how you going? Good on you, man. Keep it going. We go on. You go. And it was, these people were just getting bursts of enthusiasm from... This weird, barefoot, yeah. Jesus-looking guy. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, it was great stuff. Um, oh, yeah, 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 you told me another story about um, most people had no idea who he was or yeah. they didn't acknowledge him. And then there was some guy at the top that uh, 
said, oh my God, you're Wim off. You changed my life yeah, sort of thing. That's yeah. so cool. And I've been with Wim so many times now. Jess and I went and saw him, um, had a week with him in Australia a couple of months ago. And he's so, so full of life, mate. But he practices what he preaches. He gets up in the morning and he does, does the stuff. Um, but when you're out with him in public now, like especially in Australia, people come up to him and say, you saved my life. One guy jumped through a restaurant window. Wim and I were having dinner. He jumped in through the restaurant window and hugged him and said how he saved his life. So, And that just happens so often, mate. Yeah. Amazing. And he travels only with um, like carry-on, right? Like yeah. A- he turned up at my house. I had to give him a pair of shoes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he had a just a backpack, which was half full. He had nothing in there. So... Um, Mate, he's he's the gypsy traveller. Yeah, I listened to an audio book of his a few years ago, and there was a there's a mantra in there: a cold shower a day keeps the doctor away. Um, but you go next level. You've got like a a custom made ice bath. Which, by by the way, um, am I the most hilarious person? You be honest with me. The most hilarious, awkward, uncomfortable person you've seen in the ice? You were definitely up there. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. I'm not good at yeah. putting on a, a poker face, but so this. This, this, this time I spent at your house, so um, Jack Goodhue from the Crusaders had get in and he was like chatting to me and chatting to you, chatting to people. It was like it was a warm bath. I got in there and I was like a face of concentration. You can see veins poking out of my neck. I wasn't hamming it up or anything. I was doing the best yeah. I could to be calm. Yeah. But then when I see that in someone, that's when I know, hey, he's in the right place mm. because this is what he needs. And day two, you were much, much better. Mm. You know, so and I, I, I didn't not enjoy it either. I found mm. it invigorating. It was a wonderful experience. Well, that's the unconscious. That's the that's our threshold for that stress system to come on is governed by our environment. So past experiences, current environment, and everyone's got a different threshold to that stress state. So by going into the ice, that triggered off your stress system. Mm. That was like flight and fight and freeze. You know, survival. So you know, people like. Jack and, you know, I jumped out of my first cold shower after 10 seconds. I thought, F this, no way, man. But, um, yeah. Is that a good way for people to start? I'll have a shower in the morning and then for the last minute I'll put it on cold and stand there. And the first couple of times you do it, you're hyperventilating. Um, and then it just gets it gets easier and easier. And now, I wouldn't, wouldn't say I look forward to it, but um, it's a nice feeling when you get out. Yeah. If, if you think about what's the low-hanging fruit, what is the non-negotiable? cold shower at the end of your daily warm shower mm. non-negotiable because for 30 seconds there is no one who can come up with an excuse which could derail you from that constant practice so that's what i do personally every day non-negotiable a cold shower at the end of my warm and if people just start with that because then they're achieving something and that is going to have a therapeutic benefit and then there are you're going to see a proliferation of spaces around auckland uh, coming up over the next few years with proper sauna, proper cold plunge, and then there will be a community aspect to this. Like, I'm sure that people in Finland would be uh, like thinking, wow, there's a guy talking about sauna and cold plunging on a podcast. You know, it's just their culture, it's their life, it's what they do. Do you think it's like a, a phase at the moment or it's going to be here to stay? Yeah, I think it's fashionable now because of the understanding around how it works. Okay. And the big thing with sauna, there was a 20-year observational study, which is huge, Twenty you know, observing people over 20 years and to see what the effects are of saunering in Finland, done by a cardiologist called Dr. Yari Laukinen um, in Finland, observing 2,340 men over a space of 20 years to see how it influences their health. 
And that study was amazing because it came out that if you sorted four plus times a week, your risk of death from any cause went down 40%. Your risk of cardiovascular related death went down 50%. And I think it's those kinds of numbers that have gotten people to say, hey, I want some of that now. Mm. So instead of us not really knowing what sauna was, thinking it was some kind of Scandinavian or Russian kind of practice that they would do, but not knowing the reason behind it. And I've spoken to many Scandinavians, uh, an Estonian sauna master, who we had a great chat in a sauna. He knew nothing about the health benefits of sauna. He just knew it made him feel great. But he knew a lot about the cultural aspect of sauna, which we had a great chat about. Um, but I think that's why you're seeing this uptick. People like Donda, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick that are coming out uh, explaining the benefits of sauna. People like Andrew Huberman hmm. coming out explaining yeah, the benefits yeah. of sauna. Um, yeah, Lex Friedman, Joe Rogan, yeah. uh, all that circuit, they're all massive on it. Um, does it matter if it's infrared? Yeah, so you will get some benefit from infrared, but you get a lot more benefit from traditional, authentic Finnish sauna. And in fact, in, in Europe... In countries, it is illegal to to use infrared sauna as two words. Oh, okay. You have to say infrared cabin, okay? Because it just doesn't have the same <laughs> yeah, benefits. Right. You know, it's better than nothing, maybe. Yeah. But um, I really think if people can, I, I really push for people to get an authentic Finnish sauna or an authentic Scandinavian sauna uh, in their home. And that is what defines that. Well, that means a sauna that can go um, between eighteen and a hundred degrees Celsius, which is bloody hot. And also you need to have the ability to put water onto rocks, which will create what in the, in the Finnish term is uh, lulu, which I'm probably pronouncing terrible there. But um, uh, yeah, lulu, which is essentially means the spirit of life or the essence of life, um, that really does bring about a new sensation into the sauna. Remember when I put the water on the rocks and mm. it's like, whoa, this wave of heat, and you try and bury down as low as you can go to try and get away from that. Um, <laughs> oh, me, me specifically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only you, uh, Dom, ever. So. <laughs> yeah. I know, well, I, well, since I saw you, I've been doing the cold shower thing, which I know is not as good as an ice bath, but it's still invigorating and mm. uh, makes you feel good. And I've been going to... Um, there's some baths not far from where I live called the Tepid Baths, and I've been going there, but the sauna's like 70, 70 degrees. Yeah. So I do 30 or 40 minutes in there, and I know, I remember you saying something about how it should be stressing your body, but I actually enjoy it. It starts yeah. to get maybe a little unpleasant towards the end, but it's mostly enjoyable. Does that mean I'm not getting the benefit? Potentially. If you're yeah. at 70, you need to have a, a high amount of water on the rocks. So I was in London end of last year, um, and I went to two amazing saunas over there. Um they were more Russian style, so they run their saunas at about 70 degrees, but they use a lot of humidity, a lot of water on the rocks, and boy, that was tough. Mm. So I think 70 degrees in a dry sauna probably won't be enough. Um, so when I say won't be enough, you probably have to spend a lot longer in there okay. to reach that state of discomfort. But really, with sauna, it should be uncomfortable in the last minute or two. Um, and with ice, it's always uncomfortable in the first minute, and then you start to get a little bit used to it. Yeah, I was eyeing up this one called an Oslo, which is like a one-person <laughs> infrared cabin, I guess. Yes. Um, maybe I'll put that on hold for now. Save your money if yeah, you can. Okay. And I, I really, yeah, I get a lot of this on my Instagram. People always ask me what's the difference. And there are benefits from infrared sauna, but it's a different style of heating. It's, it's heating you from within. So it's infrared waves which enter in your body. So it's not really heating up the room. Um, whereas authentic sauna heats up the room to 80 to yeah. 100 degrees and the modality is a lot different and then you think about 
well, why do we sauna? And, you know, why are we seeing all these amazing results in the studies looking at longevity, but also depression, uh, heat as a um, modality to help treat uh, major depressive disorder? There's some great mm. research on that. Um, so really we're activating what's called our heat shock proteins. These are proteins that um, directly come out as a response to heat and they seek out the damaged proteins in our body which when proteins damage, we're all made up of proteins. When they are damaged, they fold over and then they aggregate, so they stick together and that can cause all sorts of problems medically. So these heat shock proteins come out and literally unfold those damaged proteins. So that's how we get repair and rejuvenation. But there's numerous other benefits to that authentic sta- uh, sauna. It um, stiffens the arteries, which is actually a good thing. Um, it uh, helps our blood pressure. It mimics moderate cardiovascular exercise it's really like a workout so there's a lot of benefits to traditional sauna you've used so many big words in this podcast um (laughs) i generally assume any room i go to i assume i'm probably the dumbest person in the room so i'm sure there's a lot of people that understand everything you're talking about but maybe there's some people like me that don't but it's um the bits in between that i do understand it's bloody great stuff God, you're doing great work. So the the week we're recording this, the the All Blacks are in Auckland and they're about to go to Melbourne for a game against Australia. So who reaches out to you? So you're not here in an official role with the All Blacks? Yeah, no, I'm not. It's like an individual sort of personal trainer sort of vibe. Yeah, but but with their blessing, I guess. So I was with the All Blacks in 2019. I was asked to come in and uh, give... my thoughts on performance. I was with the uh, Wallabies at that stage and... um, yeah, so implemented a program in that World Cup campaign that um, they use for the year. So in that time, I got to meet a number of the All Blacks, and um, I continued to work with. They they saw some of my work, and they, when you're in an All Blacks environment, there's just no time. So, but they knew that there was some more to my work, and so I started working with members of the team uh, on a one-on-one capacity over time, and then yeah, the. Uh, the All Blacks had a camp down in Mount Monganui. One of the players reached out to me um, for some help around a situation. And then seeing I, I knew the All Blacks set up, he went back, spoke to them, and they said, yeah, let's bring Nigel into these camps to help. How did you team up with uh, Joel Shadbolt from LAB? How did that relationship come about? Yeah, so he came to me, and he was just, you know, he, he was having some issues. Um before a performance, mm. so I have like to nerves, stage yeah. fright, yeah, which is totally logical when you go out in front of, you know, thirty thousand people, yeah. and you have to execute a skill set mm. and give to that crowd and lift them up and do all of those things. Um, yeah, it's logical that your body will start to corrupt your skill set and start to put you into this state of uh, maybe panic or agitation, or and then, yeah. So I started working with Joel back then. Um, and yeah, we, we just continue on because there's been, it's been a really good relationship and, um, there's still some techniques and modalities that Joel uses, you know, before a performance or, um, on tour, especially cause that's really rigorous, but he's noticed massive changes and, um, yeah, he's great. So he, mm. he comes for the catch ups. We were working together for three years, saunering, doing all the stuff before we actually had a drink. So that was, he loved it because it was like every time people want to catch up with him, it's always around alcohol. And it was only about six weeks ago. He's like, mate, do you want a whiskey on the deck? And we did. And he's like, this is the first time we've actually 
had alcohol. So I think sauna is great because you don't need to have something in mm. your hand. That Actually, you know, yeah, I was, was going to say, just when you were midway through that sentence, uh, um, that environment of being in your sauna with a bunch of other people, it, it is kind of like sitting around in the evening having a drink with people on the deck. Yes, like the sort of conversations that go on. I don't know, it just feels like a safe space or something. Totally. It is it's really good for that. Yeah. Totally good for that. So that's why I recommend when people get saunas, get bigger than what you think you'll need. Mm. Because then you can invite people around and... It's, it's quite a social thing. Um, clearly, the answer is no. But I, I wonder if, you, like, your wife's bothered bothered about this. Like, your house is like a halfway house. Yeah. It, gr- granted, it's a, it's a very very upmarket halfway house. It's like a who's who of New Zealand sports and entertainment. But there's people traipsing through all the time. She's getting yeah. towels out for people like me yeah. that forget to bring their own. Yeah. She all good with it? Yeah, she is. She's she's very welcoming and she's um, she's amazing, mate. She totally is. So. Um, very welcoming of the people, um, and she knows the mission. Yeah, so she loves it. Yeah. Mm. She's very shy. Like she'll, she will like be like, "Oh, I won't go in when you're in there," or you know. But then I'm like, "No, come on in." But it's great. She doesn't know half of them because mm. she's not really in that space. It's quite yeah. funny. She asked one of the All Blacks, uh, "What do you do?" And he, I play rugby. Oh, who do you play for? You know? <laughs> it's quite endearing. Eh? Yeah, exactly. It's quite good. Um, and so you, you've got two kids. Marnie's your daughter. Yep, how, Marnie. how old is she? She's, She's eight. eight. Yeah. And Henley. Yes, Henley, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so, so when, when we were there last year, um, your daughter Marnie, she, she kept on writing me up like citation tickets for swearing. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, Jack, good. She's clearly got a type, and it's going to be it's going to be big rugby players because um, yeah, Jack, good. Hugh, he he didn't get any citations. Yeah, well, uh, he got a free pass on a lot of things. I don't know if he transgressed as much as you, Dom. Um, yeah, so are they great? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. She used to, you know, if you said the word bloody, she'd get, get her book out. Yeah. <laughs> Write you a little mm. note. That's awesome. Um, should we end with a couple of sort of? Um, I was going to say quick fire, but they don't actually have to be quick fire. But um, just some questions that I think um, can provide some information that can yeah, help anyone that's listening to this. Yeah, that would be good. Um, first of all, one thing one thing I've, I've noticed, and some people, I suppose, depending on the quality of the headphones they're listening with, would have noticed, you're a nasal breather. Like yes. quite often you'll stop at the end of a sentence and inhale yeah. through the nose and speak again. This is an intentional thing. This is the correct way of breathing? Yes, exactly. The, we should be breathing through our nose for pretty much 100% of the time for most people because nasal breathing is so important for optimal health. The nose serves 26 different functions. It warms the air, humidifies the air. You've got turbinates in the nasal cavity which spiral the air into the lungs at the right speed. You've got mucus which traps pathogens and um, all sorts of stuff. Um, motorway dust out here in Auckland, Dom. But um, <laughs> yeah, and you've got the cilia which is here which traps pathogens and uh, filters as well. Uh, you've got nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, which opens up the airways. So it's all about getting more oxygen into our body. How do we feel good? Well, if our body is properly oxygenated. When you're breathing through your nose, all of that starts to happen. When you breathe through your mouth, you're blowing off carbon dioxide far too much. You're not utilizing the nitric oxide, which is not only a vasodilator, meaning more oxygen into the the blood, but it's also a sterilizing agent, so another protective mechanism. Um, if you breathe through your mouth, you can actually alter your jaw shape. So it's really important for kids to be nasal breathers. What takes us away from nasal breathing is things like growing up in an anxious environment, experiencing some form of trauma perhaps, 
Um, and that doesn't have to be like an emotional abuse or anything like that. It could merely be growing up in a mouldy, damp home. And that will dictate kids to fall into a mouth-breathing trap post-COVID. I'm seeing a lot of people with um, you know, long COVID problems and they flick into a mouth-breathing pattern. What else? It changes teeth um, growth so you can get occlusion of the teeth. You get a... Um, Malfa- um, malformed jaw formation so it becomes a lot shorter and sunken rather than elongated um, what else happens so it really yeah, makes sense to try and be a nasal breather at all times and I, this is a real low hanging fruit not only for just day to day but for exercise yeah. as well and did I am I imagining this or did I um, hear you say somewhere that people should t- sleep with um, tape over their mouth yeah some people should um, and there's a thing in Oh, one of the media outlets, oh. you know, just trying to debunk that until you read down the bottom. Um, they had like a, uh, you know, a little conflict of interest report there saying, actually, this guy owns a sleep clinic. And of course, he's advocating for everyone to go to a sleep clinic. Mm. But on the whole, let's empower people. Let's not say, oh, you've actually got to, you know, give them something and try it. Is it going to work? Yes or no? You're not going to die from taping your mouth. Mm. And how do we how do, how do we tape it? Because the last thing I want is anyone to you know, go. To, is it like a little strip covering the lips? Yeah, or? All, all it is. And of course, you use some logic. If you're full <laughs> with a cold, if you can't breathe very well through your nose to start with, yeah, you, you wouldn't maybe tape it. But if you do die, hey, come back and see us, and, and then <laughs> we'll give you haunt, a refund or haunt Nigel. <laughs> yeah, haunt Nigel. It. But yeah, mouth taping is simply a strip of. You can use multiple tapes. I've actually got some specific mouth tape with me now for one of the guys. But um, you can get something called myo tape, or you can just get some three M micropore, and it's literally a vertical strip. Yeah. So your lips aren't even completely occluded. And I think if people just try, even if they don't tape through the night, they might just tape their mouth for the hour before bed and see. Is, does this bring about some change? Because if you tape your mouth at night, and if it's going to work for you you'll wake up feeling massively more refreshed. Yeah. That's how you know if it's working. Mm. Is there uh, um, breathing routines or techniques that anyone can do while you know driving or walking or whatever that can improve their mood? I know, I know Wim, Wim Hof, like before the, the, the ice, ice water stuff, um, it's generally rooted in sort of a breathing technique, isn't it? Yeah, but there... with Wim's breathing, definitely keep that away from water because um, Wim's breathing technique is very strong and powerful. It's a controlled hyperventilation technique. I actually don't teach that in my clinic. So um, there's other forms of breathing you can do which can bring about a, a better change within you I think for the general population and that is to shut their mouth and breathe through their nose that's a key okay and then on my Instagram um, I've actually done a video of my five minute anti-agitation breathing and I get so many comments about that Um, and that's just the tile where it's my head holding up four fingers and if you look at that one and go through that for five minutes I think that would be my advice on a powerful technique that you can do to bring about change when you're in an anxious moment. It brings about a real sense of calm. How far down on your Instagram is that? Or yeah, it's a little bit. Oh, uh, you, you, you need to learn how to pin posts. Yeah, or maybe I pinned. should pin that. Yeah, and you do should I just, pin that at the top. I'll pin it for two months or something, and then yeah. people, you know, the listeners can check that it out. That's good. Um, I've heard you say in a podcast that the gut is the second brain. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, I, th- I think... I don't want to get too in the weeds on that because, yeah, okay. yeah but because uh, there are some other 
things that we can do which can influence the gut. For example, the vagus nerves go vagus nerve goes all the way from the neck down into the gut. The vagus nerve is directly related to your autonomic nervous system. So if you can bring about some equilibrium into that stress and calm state, your gut is going to get better. What I see in people is people that come in with, say, anxiety or chronic pain, you will often find they'll have either um, diarrhea or constipation. So that's a neurally driven, autonomically driven problem. So sometimes people can be labeled with, say, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, yeah. or different things. But really, I think we, we've got to come at it from the heart of it, which is a um, disequilibrium in the autonomic nervous system. So I think that's really where it comes in. Yeah. What's your relationship with Mike Hosking and Kate Hawksby? He he talks about you quite a lot. Yeah. He have does. you have you had sessions with him? I yeah. haven't, mate. No. So are you, are you guys not bros? I thought you were like bros. No. And right, yeah. have you met? We haven't, mate. No. He had me on his show, he, and he talks about you a lot in other interviews as well. And yeah. I've I've heard him talk about how you love a like a French red wine, and yes. I thought, oh, these guys must have been on the deck together. Yeah. No. No, no we haven't, mate. I'd love. I'd love to meet him. Um, he really sings your praises. Yeah, it's really it's really good. I and I really do appreciate it because he's got such a massive platform and huge. Um, yeah, huge. and Kate does as well. And yeah, I really appreciate those two. It's amazing that you can be on like a top rating essentially a news program and he's talking about things to optimise the health mm. so I really do like that well um, one thing about that so um, I believe they've got a sauna at home yep. uh, I've heard him say he has three cold showers a day yep is that, too mu- is that one too many? <laughs> uh, I think one might be one's probably linked into the sauna so mm. when you when you do sauna you should always finish on cold whether that be a cold shower or a okay. cold plunge um, and that's probably going to make up at least one of his and mm. if he showers twice a day he'll always finish on cold which yeah. is really what you should do i mean whatever he's doing it's it's working for him i know i know uh, he's got a massive massive following like his ratings are something like he's got like a 20 percent market share which in radio is massive mm. um there's also a lot of people that you know don't like him for his beliefs or whatever but you listen to the guy he's upbeat he's never sick he's yeah. relentlessly positive and enthusiastic and you yeah. think whatever he's doing yeah he's doing it right he's very cognitively sharp isn't he when he's you know Imagine interviewing all those people with a very short moment's notice and having to be over such a range of topics. So I think when you look at him from that perspective, um, yeah, someone sent, like I, I did a, a post there and I, I said, be like Mike, you know, because in terms <laughs> How of... How did that go down in the comments? Not too well, yeah. So, and I say like, be like Mike in, in terms of his... You know what his health practices are, not his opinions. Oh, and the the work ethic of both those guys is second to none. I mean, yeah. um, you cannot take anything away from the success that they have because yeah. they they get up at shit o'clock. Every, like in the we're talking middle of the night, like two thirty three a.m. Mm. So they have no sort of life during the week outside of work. Yeah, and um, he's done that for a num- they've, done, they've both done it for a number of years. And they're yeah. phenomenal broadcasters. So to to stay at the top of your game um, with those sort of grueling hours for that long, um, there's got to be some secret to the success. And yeah. uh, maybe it's the hot and cold thing. Yeah, and I do like looking at elite performers and looking at what they're doing. And it sometimes it's sports people. Sometimes it's the UFC, which is a real great playground for people to be in that sympathetic or stress state. So I love like watching and observing those guys. I would never do a UFC fight. You don't have to agree with what they're doing, but in terms of a study around um, how they're executing their skill set and talents, it's the the fighting mm-hmm. realm is yeah fascinating. 
And also, you look at sport, you know, the clutch kicks, you know, or the clutch throws in high-pressure situations. Mm-hmm. Have you done much with any of the UFC guys? Um, Who do you know? Yeah, well, I have met Israel Adesanya, uh, Dan Hooker, um, uh, Shane Young, because they came to a workshop that a uh, wonderful guy, Jason Sutty, and I did together at Jason's gym. But um, no, but I don't work with them one-on-one. They... They are now um, doing some great work with a wonderful guy called Dave Wood. And Woody is an amazing guy, really trying to bring up this um, notion that we can have better influence and control over our um, our situations. Oh, yeah, I've seen what Dave Wood... His, his retreats look way less fun than yours. I, I don't imagine he's having red meat and red wine in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> Woody, he might be having a DB export or uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. But um, no, he's a, to- he's a top guy, yeah. Hey, but... Um, the only when I was coming here, I was thinking, what could I say to help runners, or maybe help them understand what the process is? Because so many runners, they feel great doing it, right? And that's what is driving a lot of their uh, pursuit into running is the feeling they get from it, right, Dom? You feel that? Mm, ab- absolutely. <laughs> even on days, I, I don't feel great every day, but even on days where I don't feel great and I'm not enjoying it, I, I always feel good afterwards. I feel amazing. I never get home from a run and regret going on a run. So what about if I? try and educate people, there will be a couple of big words, on why that's happening. Okay. So I think that's the key. If people understand the why, maybe they can um, then program accordingly. So when we run, so we've got amino acids in our body. Amino acids, they aid in the repair of muscle tissue. But we've also got a substance called tryptophan. Tryptophan is a precursor for something called serotonin. Serotonin mm-hmm. is what makes us feel great. Yeah. Tryptophan and amino acids travel on the same pathway to the brain. Amino acids will trump tryptophan all the time. So that means that amino acids are going up to the brain, and tryptophan cannot get on that track to get to the brain to release serotonin to make you feel good, unless you exercise. When you run, your muscles are now needing amino acids. So they come down, which frees up the track for the tryptophan to go to the brain and release serotonin. So that's why a lot of people genuinely feel happy and high and they feel great when they go for a run. Mm. So I think if people understand the physiology around how exercise can influence our mental health, then that might be a reason for people to, hey, let's give this a go. I love that. Hey, thanks for coming over today. Thanks, And for being so uh, generous with your time. My God, the the big words that you use, um, and they just like roll off your tongue. Um, it's phenomenal. You're so well educated. Are, are your books full, or can you like consult new people? If yeah. someone if someone has heard this podcast and they want to get hold of you, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, so I work with people in different ways. Um, my clinic is generally booked up about a month or so in advance, but but that's okay. You just wait for that time, and um, so you can book online just nigelbeach.com. Very old website. Doesn't really say what I do nowadays, but that's all right. I'm too busy helping people to fix that just mm. yet. But they can book online for a consult, either in person or over Zoom. But what I also do, I do 12-week programs with people via my app. So I don't actually need to see someone in clinic. And um, that's another option. And then the, I guess another way of working with me is I work in the corporate space a lot. So you know, some people, if they've heard this, they might have a chat to their HR manager and say, hey, let's get this guy in to talk about some real tangible ways we can influence our mental fitness or our health. Um, that's another way. And then finally, I do run those performance intensives down in Mount Monganui. It's generally word of mouth, but I am going to start to open those up to, 
to people now. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. As I've said, it was an invaluable experience, and uh, I would I would love to go back for another one because it was fantastic. It was really cool. I got so much out of it. There's th- things I do now, and I I think of you. Like if I'm if I'm waiting in line at a coffee store, I'll look down at my feet and make sure my feet are both quite close to each other, like a fist apart, yeah. facing forward. That's it. And that's the correct way to stand. It activates your butt muscles. Just little little things like that. And, I'm, and I'll, I'll catch myself doing it. And I'll go, oh, that's a, something I got from Nigel. Yeah, cool. That's, that's cool. great. Well, we'd, great. We'd love to see you again. The kids would totally love to see you again. So. <laughs> I don't know if I can afford all the fines from your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and Nigel Beach, you're a good man. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to On the Dom Harvey podcast, uh, Nigel's become a pretty good mate of mine over the last year, so I really hope you guys enjoyed that, and I hope you get something out of it that you can use in your day-to-day life to make it better than what it is now. Um, as I say every week, I love your feedback. You can get a hold of me anytime you want, domharveynz at gmail.com, or on Instagram, domharveynz. I appreciate your feedback, your tips your suggestions for future guests, anything you've got. Even though I may not reply to all of you, I do read all of it, and it means a lot. Just before we go, quick thanks to the sponsors, Generate KiwiSaver and Radix Nutrition. Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of chart-topping long-term performance. Book to see your local Generate KiwiSaver advisor for a no-obligation meeting. Their web address, generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash get advice I did this last month and I switched over to generate from a different KiwiSaver provider and it could not have been easier also on that website generatekiwisaver.co.nz you'll find a copy of their product disclosure statement the issuer of the scheme is generate investment management limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns This podcast episode was also sponsored by the legends and my good friends at Radix Nutrition. Mike and his team at Radix have lofty goals to improve your quality of life through nutrition, and they're doing it all from their incredible factory just out of Hamilton. Once you sample their products, I have no doubt you will be a raving fan. Check them out online, radixnutrition.co.nz. Radix is spelled R-A-D-I-X radixnutrition.co.nz Alright, thank you so much for joining me for this episode and I do hope to see you next week on the Dom Harvey Podcast.